Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Leaving a legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry. Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. How are you doing? I'm um, doing all right, man. It's been a busy uh, Indigenous People's Day weekend. How are you doing? Uh, just peachy. You know, it's not a holiday because I didn't get it off, so I I don't I don't recognize it. It's okay. uh, it's it's fake. Sure. It's, it's just like how birds birds are fake. Sure. Sure. Indigenous Peoples Day, Columbus Day. They're all fake, Pat. Okay. Time time is an illusion. Lunchtime doubly so. Okay. <laughs> uh so uh we had the uh the, the legacy open on uh on Saturday. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, it was a good time. Had uh 87 people turn out. Uh got bumped up to a 5k, five thousand dollars cash money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had 87 players. Uh we got streaming up in round, I think we started round four with the stream and uh got to go all the way through top eight, and it was a good time, man. We had a lot of people watching and just a lot of fun. It was good to have Zach in the booth. We had Michelle in the booth to do the uh the hot wings challenge for us. We we like we back to back all 10 hot sauces. That was pretty pretty fun, pretty interesting. So it was a good time. Yeah, it was good. Uh, you know, I thought we were going to get away with not having to do the uh, the hot sauce gambit again. And then at the last minute, a Hail Mary, someone donated a hundred dollars to uh, <laughs> push us over the edge to do all five hot sauces. Yeah, we ended up with just over five hundred dollars that went to uh, to gifts of hope. So that was really, really awesome. Uh, so thank you to everyone who donated. Um, and that was a great way to send out the uh, send out the, the legacy open, man. And we've done uh, we have done nine of them now, which is wild to me. So uh, that was a great way to end it, I think. Yeah, it was a great time, and as is tradition, we have uh, the champion on the cast with us tonight. Yeah, uh, this guy kind of swung through, took an L in round one, and then went, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the tournament saying, yeah, I don't, I don't like that feeling, and just uh, kind of crushed uh, everyone in front of him. So uh, why don't I give a, a warm welcome to Tony Scaponi. Yeah, just had to uh, bring it on back. His, uh, I think, what, fourth appearance on the podcast now? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, welcome, Tony. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, it's good to be back uh, yet again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about your tournament, Tony. I saw that you uh, posted your kind of your record and your 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 win loss uh, uh, kind of results through each round. But do you want to kind of walk us through your tournament? Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I tried not to do like a serious write up this time. I was trying to be you know more focused. Same thing with the uh, the pit, but. Uh, this 15, 20 minutes before we just jumped on now, I've, I've jotted down a few things so I can loosely and at least vaguely kind of run through yeah, things. Yeah, it does that. You know, I, I mean, well, yeah, I, I don't really like, want a play-by-play no, of every no, single thing that happened. No. We, we're going to be here for the next four hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not huge on that either, but it's nice to like, quickly run through it, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, there are a few matches that stuck out that I might get into a little bit, okay. especially the first one, my f- feel real bad loss here against uh your favorite deck blue red delver indeed yeah 
So it was against the local Sam Best, who certainly knows what I'm doing. So if there's a Delver player that's going to be kind of up to snuff with what's going on, it's uh, he's definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, game one, I echo into a relay and just kill him turn two kind of in normal fashion. Uh, Delver is actually a very good matchup for me. Um, but game two, he stifled my empty. So he goes land pass and he stifles mm-hmm. my empty, which was, it was kind of an all in empty hand, which tends to be pretty much GG for Delver. They're, they're usually not running stifle and you're running one sweeper is kind of the like stock thing to do. Yeah. Um, so empty tends to, tends to get them. And, you know, as they shouldn't these days, you don't really need to be leaning into sweepers with Delver right now anyways, but, so, and then game three, this is where I just got, he just nutted me like hard. <laughs> so, so I go with another turn one empty. It was like 10, 12, maybe even 14 goblins, whatever it was. Um, and of course he just has, and the festivities in his mm-hmm. opener. Wow. So right away, just, just sweeps them. Um, and then I have, to, I have to pass the turn. I can play grid, but I don't want to play right into days. Uh, I didn't use everything for the empty. So I still have like a few cards, a couple of permanents on board. Um, he plays a cage. I'm like, oh, fuck. Because I had an echo in hand. Mm-hmm. And of course, I ripped the LED. So I would have had literally grid into LED echo. But he had played a cage. So I was like, all right, that's annoying. Maybe we can still kind of grind through this. No, he plays Maddening Hex as his next, <laughs> next oh, wow. card. Right. And over the pe- next couple of turns, I do draw into another empty and a couple zeros I can make. Uh, eight goblins, right? Even yeah. under the maddening hex, because he hasn't played a threat. Um, and of course, he then has spell pierce, spell pierce. Oh wow, he just had it all that game. <laughs> yeah, he just that was wild. <laughs> he was like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> it was, we we were like laughing about it. And fun fact, I almost dropped the tournament at this right. point because, yeah. as you know, I sell cars, right? And yep. Of course, here I am. I lied, said I was out sick. And it's actually something I never do. And like people are always doing it. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to, you know. So my manager calls me up and I'm driving a demo. And some guy is like pissed off that he can't see the truck. <laughs> and <laughs> so I just, I tell my manager and he, I get like halfway into my little spiel and he's like, no, no, no I don't care. It doesn't matter. He's like, can, can, can you meet me in Westboro? Can we get that? He's trying to like figure out how to get the truck over there. Yep. And then by the end of it, he's like, ah, don't worry about it. But I came pretty close. I was like, because if at first he called me and I kind of was just like, let me let me give you a call back. And I'm like panicking, like, fuck, like, I guess, you know, I lost the first match. I just drop and go. But it worked out well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think we'd be bereft to mention that you also had a killer run at the Legacy Pit the week before, yes. which you said you also no, lost. You- I got to stop you there. Oh, okay. You, you said it a couple of times and it, it it's a miss. I, I lost my second round there. I was one on one, but the last, was it the last LAL or at least one of, so I've, I've top aided this leaving legacy event three times in a row now. And one of those was I, I lost the first match. And yeah, then no, one so yeah, you, you lost the first match and then one out. And then at the legacy pit open, you lost the second match yep. and then one out. And then this one, you lost the first match and then one out, which is pretty good. Cause a lot of people, if they lose their first or second match, you know, they kind of already are like, all right, I'm in the O2 sandwich uh, bracket. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of, they kind of lose hope at that point. And uh, you know, I think uh, the fight goes out of a lot of people. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, 
like I'm pretty quick to drop a league, but when it comes to uh, a more serious tournament, I, I, I stay in it. You know, I I've streamed, uh, I streamed challenge once and went Oh two into five, two, mm-hmm. like it didn't top eight, but it was top 16. And, you know, if it's possible for me to get in a reasonable like spot in the tournament and get some EV, um, you know, I'm happy to, to do so. And I can, mm-hmm. I play enough magic where like, I can, I can keep my focus for the most part, you know? Um, but yeah, so second round was against Delver again, and I just kind of smeared them, you know, another in game one, I have here echo into relay when turn two and game two empty, just kind of wiped them. Um, third match was against bug Hogak, which I've played against this guy at my local, Goal. he comes down with his friends sometimes maybe like a monthly i don't know but he knew obviously what i was doing and i couldn't quite remember what he was doing but uh hogak is not spectacular against me and uh he did he was on the play and he cabal he had the opener of cabal therapy naming led which is something that does often give me problems um but i had i didn't have an led hand i had like a a turn one bergy into a bunch of zeros and a relay which is like completely sidesteps uh what he was doing so um and then game two he played a crab and then i uh turn one peered him hmm. so <laughs> peers a little bit better than a crab yeah <laughs> <laughs> um let's see and then i played against uh yorian boros dnt this is something that uh i think david lance says championed who i did play who was my only other loss um i lost to him in day two at the pit mm-hmm. um but it's like it, it's just dnt it has it has some fetches so i can have red for like a main deck magus of the moon and access to blasts out of the sideboard i think that's i think that's the only red um well let's see Right, this one game was pretty interesting. So I kept a slow hand because I didn't know what he was on. And I kept, sometimes with this deck, you do keep slow hands that are just good against blue. Um, so he gets to land a Spirit of the Labyrinth, which obviously complicates things, kind of drags things out. Um, I was able to land a Horn uh, with not too much for resources, so I had to pass. And then like the following turn, you wind up flipping some cards and... I flipped two of my echoes. So I only had one echo left in deck, mm-hmm. but did hit a burning wish so that I could grape shot and clear his spirit. Um, and I had like one more turn to, to draw something. My best draw being, cause he had no more hate on board and I didn't have resources at that point, except for the top of my deck and, and not much on board. And it was like very few combinations of cards, but drawing echo itself, the only one left in my deck, was like the nut like the draw yeah and and i fucking drew it and i felt so it was one of those like where you rip it and as you're playing it you're just like um like i almost wish i didn't draw this (laughs) like i'm genuinely sorry (laughs) and (laughs) but yeah so i i kind of lucked out of that one that was like the luckiest that you know if you are to have a luck sack moment in a tournament that's it and who was this? Um, what uh what deck was this against? The the Yorian Boros oh, okay. DNT. Gotcha. You know, because gotcha. he had lethal on board. But, yeah. Um 
Yeah. So, I, I mean, and it was only game one. I am favored. So it's not like I would have lost the match per se. And like I said, mm-hmm. there were other combinations of cards that could have gotten me out of it, but that was like the, the, the not like just one card and just mm-hmm. specifically coincidental or lucky since I only had one left in my deck. Um, but then there was this interesting dice situation. So as you know, I use these big dice, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we were I, talking about on stream your uh your Tony's wall of dice. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's a lot of them, and they're it's like the the most reasonable play. I I could put them off to the side, but you get cramps when you're playing, and it's like I it, I don't know. I, I just put it. Uh, although it's yeah, it's like a a joke. The wall of dice, you know, it's a free mm-hmm. moat. You can't attack on CF flying. Um, but so. Because I, I, my goal, and as should be your goal as a player with any deck, is to create the clearest board possible. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have and try to as best I can, not even just with the board state, but just everything in the game. I want everything to be as clear as possible. I want it to be as clear to my opponent as possible that there is zero foul play or any attempt to be cheating whatsoever to the point where I you know, pick up tips as small as, and I'll give you an example, like when you're shuffling, I try to put the deck to my side and look mm-hmm. to the other side. Cause I've seen people do that, you know, and you're just like, why are they, they like specifically have their head turned? Like, what are they doing? There's gotta be a reason for this. And then when I heard the reason, I was like, Oh, that sounds like I'm going to try to do that. Cause that's, that's my goal is to not cheat. Cause the last thing you want is to like, you know, think you're, think it's like some almost like a white lie type of thing where you're doing like this small cheater thing mm-hmm. you know like oh I, I when i shuffle like this i can see one look you know just like i'm not trying to do bullshit mm-hmm. at all like at all and so i've put a lot of thought into like well what's the best way to track storm and man it's that you know and oh i hear you're supposed to use pen and paper like so last year at the pit i was like all right let's get prepared to use pen and paper how's that gonna look with this fucking storm back like there's so much shit to keep track of it's ridiculous and there are just so many game actions to take you take these like 10 minute turns sometimes where you're just taking a bajillion game actions and it just gets insane all over the place and so before the last pit, I spent like a month, you know, just trying, just t- trying to work out the kinks at like F and M and stuff. And I had like, you know, pen and paper, and I wrote down like pre-made these pages, so I, I wouldn't have to deal with that in between rounds and stuff. And and it was still just, it it wasn't that clear for the opponent because there's mm-hmm. so much going on. The the paper is just a mess. I don't even have good handwriting to begin with, like. It, it takes it eats up so much time like all the bergy triggers you gotta uh, technically or not even technically but you should be taking away a mana if you use a bergy mana despite the fact that you're casting a spell and there's a trigger on the stack you're gonna get that mana back but soft counter magic is all over the place so it is certainly relevant that the trigger is on the stack and that your opponent can cast soft counter magic when the triggers on the stack and the mana is not available and you have to clearly show that not just like mess like it it's a mess right so at the pit this year i basically explained that and had to fight with them when i went on camera they were like you have to use our dice you can't use your own dice i was like okay do you have colored dice they're like no we have these black ones they had like six small black d6s and 
I, I, I'm like, I didn't have to go in as in depth right now, mm-hmm. or even more in depth, which was at leaving legacy, which good on them. They're trying to go by the rules and the, you know what I mean? And I wound up appealing it and having a, a great conversation with Sean, the head judge there. And, you know, it, it all, it all worked out. But uh, like, for instance, at the pit, I just told him, I was like, listen, I have, and same thing I told Sean and the other judge uh, I have, uh, you know, storm, I have red mana. I have red mana specific to Bergy. I have colorless mm-hmm. mana. I have blue, I have black. I like, I have these triggers that I have to specifically show and I do all of it a lot, like every fucking game. So <laughs> I didn't mm-hmm. drop an F bomb, but I yeah, was I like, know. We, we, we were joking on a stream that uh, your matches on camera were looking like vintage matches <laughs> just because like every turn you had like 80 different uh, like uh, uh, interactions each hmm. turn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets it gets insane. And you just you can't you can't show it clearly. I mean, one of the big things for a pen and paper is in the in the event that there's a discrepancy, you can go back and you can look and you can, the, the, pa- the page tells a story, right. That you can feasibly read and, and come to reasonable conclusions as to what happened, what is happening, so on and so forth. Not the case with pen and paper for this desk de- uh, deck. I can tell you from experience. So, and uh, one of the things that helped me is I did flush this out a little bit, actually a couple of weeks prior to, uh, the pit with Eric from uh, the time vault, uh, you know, to, to really dig into this issue. And what it comes down to is what it says in the rules and what it says in the rules is, has some gray area to it. It uses dice as an example, says it in parentheses, mm-hmm. but specifically says you can't use something that can easily be knocked over or changed. And I would argue uh, that a number of things but just to shorten this up because i don't want to make the whole cast about this dice thing but one of the things and main points that i made is that these dice are very big uh and heavier and i would argue that they are not easy to knock over and that the whole reason for a rule to begin with is to try and make a rule that makes it as clear as possible and as consistent as possible and i just think color-coded large dice does that miles better than pen and paper yeah sure you know because in the in the first place you, you, i i would rather have you know a 99.9 percent chance that there's not going to be a discrepancy in the first place than have like almost surely there's going to be a discrepancy you know that you can go back and, and check and fix mm-hmm. you know by way of pen and paper which like i said i don't even think is you can effectively do anyways just because of how much is going on yeah. It was hard, yeah, sorry to go on like a, a no, tirade no, no. there about no, the the dice, but <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was interesting when that when Watsy made that decision that you know that things like that had to be tracked by pen and paper. Um, obviously, like like you said, it, it if you're using these tiny little dice and they're they're all over your board and you know they're not super clear, like yeah, I mean you take you go through the motion like the uh, you go to the extent of color coding your dice and and all that stuff. So it's obviously very clear when when you watch you know when we get to watch you play it's obviously very clear that you care about the board state and you care that the information is, is very clearly representative of what's going on because I've played against many different kinds of iterations of storm players where that's not always the case. You know what I mean? Um, So it's nice when someone takes the time to make sure that, that what they are doing is extremely blatant and uh, there's no, there's no, you know, uh, funny business going on or even, or the, even the, the possibility of it really. Right. Yeah. 
No, I do. And uh, one of the other things I do is I verb every change of die. I verbalize and look for confirmation uh, in regards to it from my opponent. So if mm-hmm. it's going, I, you know, I, I'm going to move this up to four and I hold it up where it's three. So it's in my hand as three as I'm saying it's going to four and then I move it to four. So if I mm-hmm. knock it over and drop it, well, I'm going to put it back to four. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know. Um, so that that happens in the middle of this match where th- one of the judges just says like, uh, hey, I'm going to have to ask you to use pen and paper, you know, and then I go into this thing and I say, well, if you can show it to me on the rules and he goes, yep, sure. And he shows it to me. And then, you know, we get into this whole thing. So we we get we get past that. Um, and game two, I wind up winning against this Boros DNT. You know, apparently he tries to hold up Pyroblast, but I just play a grid. Uh, and then I kill him on turn three because he didn't really have any other lock pieces. It was just like hold up Pyroblast and play some threats. Um, so I win that 2-0, and then I play against Anthony Laverde, which I know ex- literally exactly what he's playing mm-hmm. because uh, after so during the pit, him and I you know chat a little bit, and uh, he was we were in like the same Facebook chat with the people that I went with because he was going to stay with us but he didn't wind up doing so and so we were talking a lot about like storm brews and stuff and uh, I had thrown a few lists at him and uh, a lot of it reminded him of like old tests so he like kind of mashed up this list that I had run out in combination with what he has apparently wanted to do with like old style tests so just like this you know just powerful storm deck that he was running um so it was like a storm on storm mirror which was pretty cool uh i think i turned him game one uh, turn one to him game one um and then we had this super scrappy game where we both mulliganed uh at least a bit and i wind up i think he like plays some artifacts and plays a wish claw talisman Mm -hmm. and i keep this like kind of medium hand but i've already mulliganed has a shattering spree so i'm kind of hoping he does something such as what he did, but he has an opal open from his, with Metalcraft. And I shattering spree him, blowing a pedal even to blow up an additional artifact, and he flusters me. I'm just like, Ooh. oh shit. Then he untaps and pulverizes, destroying all permanence there because we both <laughs> had some. so it was just like no permanence and we both had like one to two cards it's like all right we're gonna do one of these and he just he just drew out of it quicker and wound up like yeah. nauseum. but it was it was some pretty good magic um game three i don't remember <laughs> honestly i don't remember i just i know i won the match so i guess it's a long day right <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> uh let's see naya depths yeah i mean game one goes in usual fashion against them they do some you know uh not like fair very fair thing that just Mm -hmm. dies to me quickly um and then game two i don't really remember too much but i remember eventually dying to oof so i think he somehow stopped my initial onslaught and then you know game three i'm all into two uh keeping and i i am not afraid to multitude one of the strengths of this deck is so if you're against a a deck like this where you're just kind of like free to do your thing so we're pretty consistent turn one turn two um we're basically belcher if you if Mm -hmm. you want to like you know summarize the epic gamble 
as, as easily as possible. We're, we're Belcher that just happens to have a lot of protection and able to grind as well, you know? Um, but if, if I know that I'm able to, I can, I can multi very fast hands. And sometimes you hit your fail rate where like, you can't find a fast hand and I will, I'll, I'll tell you something I'm not going to do. I'm not going to keep a medium ass five card hand. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. keep a medium yeah. ass four yeah. card hand. Like yeah. at that point, I'm mulling to find uh, LED echo or some, there's enough redundancy where it isn't always necessarily exactly LED echo. You can have like pedal gamble LED does it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's, there's combinations of cards where like if you're willing to and understand that you can mull down to, you, you should be doing it sometimes. And then even then sometimes you don't like a multitude and just not like I had ancient two LED. I didn't even wind up finding it. Um, but we go draw go for like three turns and I wind up ripping an echo and I kill him. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's <laughs> how that <laughs> up going. Um, and then this, this next match was probably my favorite match of the tournament. Um, so it's against reanimator. This is my winning in, right? At this point I'm, um, five and one, right? Five mm -hmm. and one. And I can't. I can't draw in because I lost my first match. So I know my, it's not obvious and it, it, it seems reasonable that I would miss top eight if I draw in. So mm -hmm. I have to play. Um, it's against, uh, I, like I said, I knew his reanimator because I saw him playing in like a pseudo mirror match against Rodney um, Rude. And he, he seemed to be from what I saw, like on like traditional reanimator. Um, but I win the die roll. And I turn one of them, you know, it's like wheel mm -hmm. into some additional mana wheel again. And then I managed to drop a horn and wheel, which is, which is GG. And I, I opt to, I have lethal, but I opt to uh, leave it in exile, like a burning wish and some lethal in exile so that I can reforge so I can see his hand. Um, it's like a, basically a way to get probe your opponent, just see their hand and, and he, he mulls to it. But that is what I would normally do if I didn't know what they were on. I didn't want him to know that I knew what he was on, you know. So, so he scoops to it to not show me his hand. Um, and let's see, game two, he mulls to five. Thought seizes himself. So I think I mulled a six. He thought seizes himself, uh, revealing or he plays a so pedal land. He's got five cards. Pedal land. Thought seizes, thought seizes himself. He's got two cards. One of which is Iona. The other of which is reanimate. So we turn one reanimates Iona names red, right? And what do I do? I fucking turn one of them through, <laughs> through Iona on red. I, I had, I had ancient two monolith led opal echo. And I have two echoing truth and avoid snare in my deck post board against reanimator. So I draw into echoing truth plus lethal. So that was that felt pretty good. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on average, a turn one I own on red is is probably gonna get me. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously I do have outs to it. Um, so on to the top eight. And at this point, I'm the number one seed, which is awesome. Um, because I get to play first, which is obviously huge which for is me. Huge for your yeah, yeah. Right. And so uh, first up, I'm against DNT, right? I'm against this one of the nicest guys I've ever met, Jack. Uh, I played against him the last Leaving a Legacy event, mm -hmm. 
and he was on DNT then. And after the match, we had he was just like genuinely curious about the deck and asking a lot of questions and stuff. And I basically told him like, if he wants to be able to beat me, this is how you do it, like in depth. And he laughed after the match. Was like, "Thank you for telling me last tournament how to beat you." But, <laughs> but the he didn't listen to the one thing, the like the major thing I told him, or I guess he just he doesn't own mind break traps. So oh. he upped his deafening silence count. He was on four deafening silence. But the the like the fear or the the thing that's effective for DNT against the deck like mine is the fact that there's both of them. You know, you want to split it two and two because you have to play a completely different way to play around one or the other. So basically when you're playing against these decks post board, I have to decide like, does my, I, I have to keep a hand that either beats deafening silence or mind break trap. And then I just have to lean into it. And it's like a coin flip, you know, first off I have to muster up a hand that's going to beat one or the other. And then I have to lean into it. Cause unless I have the absolute stone cold nuts, I'm not going to beat both of those things, you know, so, but, and, and it's open deck list. That's another huge thing for me being on the play and open deck list. So I see and know that he's not on mind break trap. So I know that uh, I'm probably going to lose game two, but mm -hmm. game one and three, I'm just basically free aside from like, you know, um, what's it called? Uh, I always forget solitude, mm -hmm. you know, maybe hitting a burgie or something. I'm basically free to just like do what I want. So um, game one, I think I relay turn one into a turn two kill. Um, and then because game one, I know I don't even have to worry about deafening sounds either. <clears throat> so I can I can keep a relay hand or like a, a really powerful turn two. Mm -hmm. um, game two. Yeah, I just get deafening silence out, which is, you know, I, I kept some bounce spells and some mana um on a multi i think six or five and then just couldn't draw into the action to like actually kill him post uh bouncing deafening silence so um but then game three i mole i think to five i'm not sure definitely some mulling occurred um i wind up wheeling off tomb monolith and led which means i don't have red mana post uh echo mm-hmm because I have to make blue off of LED and then I only have colorless and blue. Um, and I don't find the red source to convert and I have to pass. Uh, but luckily for me, op uh, opponent is playing with 80 cards and doesn't draw into one of his four deafening silence. And next turn, I'm able to play a shatter skill smashing for my red source and uh, just kill him pretty easily. Uh, so on to top four playing mm -hmm. against humans. Uh, so this and the finals, of course, were on uh, camera. So yep. you can check that out on the yep. leaving. Do you guys wind up putting it on like YouTube? Yeah. Or, yeah. I export yeah. them to YouTube. It'll be later this week. I'll I'll sit down and let my computer run for a few hours to export it from from <laughs> Twitch to YouTube. But yeah, the, the whole thing will go up as one as like one long video, basically. Sure. Sure. OK, cool. Well, yeah. So people will be able to see it there. But uh I mean, it wasn't particularly close uh, here. It's a tough matchup for humans, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't know. I guess he doesn't have as much experience with the Epic Gamble. Didn't know he's supposed to bring in Leyline, which is like with the open deck list, you know, post board. That is scary. Uh, he was running two Mind Break Traps. So combination of Leyline and Mind Break Trap, like I'm not just Stone Cold Dead to Leyline, but it does make me like I can't just keep 
LED echo hands. Like mm-hmm. I got to, sometimes I do have to keep it and just hope they don't have it and they do have it. Like there's ways it, it can go wrong. It's definitely a card that's uh, very effective against me. Mm-hmm. Um, so game one, I played uh, a turn one Bergy and pass. They played an Esper Sentinel. The whole match, the only things that he was able to do is play uh, Esper Sentinel twice. Those are the only game actions I allowed him to take, which is very mean, but that's, you know, the Epic Campbell just just rolls fair decks mm-hmm. like this. You mm-hmm. know, you want to do something this fair. It's like, well, that's that's cute, but we're going to we're going to move on. Um, so and then game two, I think I turned one to him. Does that make sense? Because it was. Yeah, because he was only able to play. And that's for Sentinel. And then, mm-hmm. and then I killed him. So on to the finals. Um, this was against Curtis, which Curtis is a, is a good dude. I was kind of talking mm-hmm. to him a little bit, you know, and after the, the pictures of the top eight and uh, I got to play him last leaving legacy event as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see. It's funny that like I was trying to, type this up right before like as you guys are doing the intro and i was like <laughs> shit how do i not remember this stuff it was like the le- was the finals like it, it was a good finals it, it, oh so my he, god yeah you i felt like game one was pretty much like he there was not much you could do in game one right right it was correctly. yeah it was a wheel with a pedal and then i think i was one shy of lethal i really busted my brain did come up with some stuff and then got to wheel again instead plus three mana and then there was like a huge relay that he mm-hmm. he scooped to but mm-hmm. game two was the wild match of it was which really I, good really of good. which i do really remember because it was like I, so I, so i had a frontside echo which is not like a, a spectacular line right i didn't have like mm-hmm. mana floating or anything like that i think i had molds of six to be able to do it. I was certainly well aware that I was playing into Mind Break Trap, but if I pass, I'm just playing into so many other cards that, that are in his deck. So it's kind of like, you know, play the hand that you're, you're dealt. And of course, unfortunately, he does just have the Mind Break Trap, which puts me almost dead in the water. If you're playing in a league or just like at your FNM, you might even be, um, you know, tempted to just scoop at this point. Sure. But when you're running so much redundancy for the effect that is... Um, you know, LED echo or just being able to echo as easily as this deck can, you really want to just hang in there because you mm-hmm. could literally just draw two cards and go again. And that's kind of what happens. Like, I, I think I still had an, I still have an LED on board. No, I didn't. Uh, but I, I draw into whatever, uh, two, three turns later. Yeah. Uh, I wind up uh, wheeling again and then ensues. I, first off, I just want to say that most people, in my experience, most opponents that I've played against are not capable of at least consistently casting Force of Vigor at the right time. First off, it's not always 100% obvious mm-hmm. or not, or it's not always 100%. It's not always 100% possible to know for sure when to, when to cast it, but usually it is. And most yeah. people don't because it's not, it's difficult, right? Yeah. Curtis, however, uh, twice like two wheels in a row mm-hmm. <laughs> like it had he not force of vigor exactly when he did i would have like rolled him over but yes. in- instead it just barely but completely 
shut me down. Like the first time it shut me down to the point where I could wheel again, but like really with not the kind of resources that, that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be very likely that I just have to pass the turn and then I wheel and, and then wind up in another scenario where it's like, well, if he has it again and then he has it again and he plays it right at the right time. And um, I, I think I just wound up fizzling by the, the end of it. I for, I forget, but he, he stopped me. You know, it was yeah. it was a long turn. I remember at the end of the, you guys can't see it, but he was like he put his hands up in the air like, yes, <laughs> I get to have a turn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you just dropped like, you know, collect roof into. Yeah, it's 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 over at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was amazing. The comeback he had in that second game. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, in the booth, it just looked like you. I mean, do you feel going into uh, at least the top eight that you were heavily favored? Because Zach had you pegged from from the get go that you were going to take down the whole tournament just based on the way the uh, the top eights shaped up. Yep. The the only person I was afraid of was Andy Mog. And I mean, eight cast isn't like. Uh, in my experience, I'm over 50-50 just because I, I know the matchup so well. The deck is certainly not cold to it, certainly not as cold as something like the other two major storm decks. They are much more cold to ACAS than we are. We can cheese people out with with empty. Bergy gets us out of a lot of trouble. Um, you know, whatever. Plus, I'm on the play. Uh, but I'm terrified of Andy in particular because he's he's a local. He's a buddy of mine. Like I I went down to the first pit with him. Mm-hmm. He knows the matchup in and out. He knows exactly how to uh, beat me. So I did not want to see him, and not that I want to see him lose. But obviously, for my own purposes, uh, you know, it was it was a good thing for me that he did lose mm-hmm. in in the top eight. Uh, you know, congrats to him for making top eight. That's that's sweet. But for me, it was great. Um, and then I guess the only other, the next worst matchup for me would be mono black, uh, against Rodney, but being on the play kind of, it, it, it turns it from, I want to say slightly unfavorable to pretty favorable Mm -hmm. for me. So I wasn't too afraid of that, that matchup either. So as soon as I knew Acast was out, uh, specifically Andy's Acast, um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I knew I was I was heavily favored. That in combination with being on the play every match, knowing that I'm going to be on the play, and probably the biggest thing out of all of those factors is open deck list. Right. Yeah. It, That's it's, huge. Yeah, because like the blue matchups are 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 whatever. I open deck list isn't too important. Like you know, it helps obviously, um, but it's I'd say it's more so close to symmetrical. Whereas against non-blue, like. The whole, the only reason or the biggest reason why I drop games against like, let's take a deck like elves, right? Is you don't, you don't know what hate exactly and in what number. So you don't quite know how to sideboard. Um, you know what I mean? I might be keeping in three grids against, you know, thinking they're going to have force of vigors and they don't even have force of vigor right, right. in their deck. You know what I mean? Some people mm-hmm. play three, some people, you just, some people are on traps. Some people aren't at all. Like I, and when you know, like the case in point against the DNT player, just knowing they don't have trap at all is huge because now I can just take my grids out. Right. So, um, but yeah, I don't, and it's funny because I don't, I can't think of 
uh, it was under too much pressure, like 60 seconds left before this started to think of what happened in game three of the finals. But uh, I know I won. <laughs> I got there. It was a good, it was good dub. Even though, even though game three, I think was more back and forth than like, even with you in the play, if I'm, if I remember correctly, it was still a lot more back and forth. And it was, it was just the, the whole, like uh, the whole finals match was better than like what the matchup, in my opinion, like kind of, dictates or or would suggest you know mm. so it was fun it was definitely fun to watch i i think i had to pass like post wheel and i think he had he didn't have a green source or something so it did yeah it did like drag on a bit more and mm-hmm. then i don't know but yeah it uh it felt good to win it i you know for whatever reason i knew i was gonna win that tournament and it, it, it sounds like like I've never, I've never gone into a big event like that and just said, I'm going to win this and knew I was going to win it. Like I've, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've always had conversations where like, yeah, it'd be cool to win. You know what I mean? Like whatever normal conversation you'd have like that. But this one, I, I think it was just because I, like I crushed the pit so hard mm-hmm. and then got absolutely robbed of it in the top four. Oh. And, you know, it wasn't like super salty over like it, it, you know, things happen, whatever variance, you know, whatever you want to call it. If I had gotten unlucky, against Delver in say day two rather than the top eight, maybe I wouldn't have been in top eight in the first place or top four rather. Um, but I, I still, it just made me feel like, like I crushed that tournament so bad and like in paper, it's just different. Like you get so many free wins. People just aren't ready for it. You got people like Anurag Das, you know, on his podcast telling people that like, it's not even good to prepare for this sort of thing. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, yes, like, can everyone like that is music to my do you, ears do you think he's wrong i don't know i numbers wise statistically like i if you're if you're in an 87 person event at the mm-hmm. at, at leaving legacy uh yes i i think he's wrong because uh, there's there's a small handful of good storm player i mean i guess but you've also top top aided half of the ones we've had right right Exactly. So... <laughs> you have to, you have to, right. You have to look at the, your deck needs to win at the winning tables. Right. right? So you, you need to know what the winner's meta, meta is and you have to be able to, to deal with it. So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say like, oh, if you know I'm showing up, you know, you better be able to, but, but you're not, not saying that though. Like, like but... you need to, like, if you know, if Tony's going to be at the, at the tournament, you're going to have to pack something for that deck <laughs> because no, because like there's, there's nothing worse than like go, you know, than seeing someone at a table, like knowing what they're on and being like, Oh, I have absolutely nothing in my sideboard for this deck. Uh, also, I do just want to point out. So I did the metagame breakdown. I, I went through all the deck lists, typed it all up today, Tony, and hmm. you were not the only uh, epic gamble in the room that day. I there know. was, yeah, there was one other person. They were playing an older version of your list. They're still playing a uh, Ruby medallion um yeah that's that's just traditional ruby storm i know i know the um i talked to him at the event yep but so uh it's uh you might be catching on a little bit especially with <laughs> the attention grabbing getting in back-to-back top eights at the uh you know two big, biggest legacy paper tournaments uh uh for the season so you know you might you might be seeing some uh some copycat players coming along in the near future yeah, I mean, there, you know, being in the the Discord and and streaming and YouTube and stuff, I, I, you know, I'm in regular contact with with the Storm community, and I can tell you from, um, 
you know, just from talking to people and people reaching out for the cyborg guide and coaching and stuff like that, like uh, you're going to be, it's, it's, it's not like storm players are just going to be like, Oh, I I can just jump into this storm deck. Like let's test this out. Cause you do have to buy, you have to buy into monoliths and you have to buy into city of traders and storm players aren't just going to have four grim monolith and two city of traders. Right. So a lot of people are, are, buying into the cards or slowly or they haven't bought into it because they're not sure about it yet you know that that sort of thing but yeah i can tell you that over the past uh you know even just a few months there's been a lot more activity behind the scenes as far as like interest and gathering of cards for it Hmm. yeah and uh you know just circling back to feeling like you're going to win this event. I think it's uh, worth mentioning too, that uh, you decided to go with the no splits, kill them all. Oh, yeah. uh, so you got, you got the, you got the full first place uh, cash prize. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it always runs in my head. Uh, basically Cyrus just saying, <laughs> no splits, kill them all. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, so that that that's awesome. So uh, worth uh, calling in sick from uh, work, you know. Uh... Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, not that it's impossible to make uh, good money, obviously selling cars. Like, but sometimes it's it's a flop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes a Saturday is a is a waste of time. But yeah, mm-hmm. sixteen hundred <laughs> cash is uh, is pretty good. Yeah, not bad for a day of slinging cardboard. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome uh well anything uh on the horizon any uh events you're planning on going to in the near future um nothing in paper that that comes to mind uh i mean i'm sure you you know michelle will be running stuff uh i try to go to some monthlies here and there at eld's time vaults uh you know whenever the pit happens next year i'm sure i'll go to that as well but I don't know. It's tough working full time, you know, just being an adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, mo- I, mostly challenges. And uh, for those asking too, Michelle is going to keep running uh, legacy events. You know, there might not be LAL opens, but gaming, et cetera, will still be running some, uh, you know, top tier legacy events. I think she said mm-hmm. next one she wants to do is probably going to be in January, but yes, uh, nothing, nothing official yet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I I'd say mostly I play challenges like once a month, maybe two if I'm lucky, and I'll always stream it. So if you're interested in in the epic gamble or you know the style of deck and you want to see it in a, a you know uh, reasonably serious tournament, they're usually around hundred people, give or take, whether it's a, a good weekend or not, or how sick of Delver people are, you know. Oh, I can't believe the well. Let's not. I don't want to open up that <laughs> that can of worms. Oh boy! And uh, yeah, if anyone was wondering, it was uh, fourteen Delver decks at the LAL Open. So mm-hmm. let's see, out of eighty-seven people, that's sixteen uh, percent of the room was on Delver. Only yeah. one made it in the top eight, though. Only one in the top eight. That's true. That is true. Uh, but you know it's okay. It's okay because there's there's good cards like Leyline Binding that are really making an impact in Legacy. So <laughs> so there's no need for any any adjustments. You know what I mean? 
Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And and totally. and, uh, and uh, what's the uh, runaway hearse or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> I mean, that that is a good one. Yeah, but it's not just going to like take Delver down. No, no, no. They're they're changing the format completely. So it's fine. <laughs> Uh, I was actually surprised when I was doing the metagame breakdown how many Minskin boos there were. Uh, mm, I, yeah. I actually I actually ended up renaming uh, four color Uro to four color Minskin boo because not all of them were running Uro anymore, but they were all running Minskin boo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. I love that card. Yeah, we saw it do a lot of work on stream. Yeah, poor Roland. Poor Roland. Yeah. Twice, twice on camera, Roland lost to people playing Minskin Boo using his Minskin Boo tokens that he, he was them. handing out. <laughs> he got like a stack of like foil Minskin Boo Japanese foil, tokens. Yeah, foil Japanese Minskin Boo hamster yeah. tokens. That's great. He's a good dude. Definitely yeah, dude. Oh, he's the best. It was so great to see. It was good to see a lot of the people out there uh, uh, on Saturday. It was a lot of fun, so. Shout out to Michelle and, and the, the Etsy crew for putting on a good tournament for sure. Yeah, definitely. It was it was a great time. I uh, couldn't have asked for a better event. Uh, you know, had just a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep, for sure. Um, awesome. All right, Jerry, do you want to um, get into scoops and poops then? Scoops. Who do you want to scoop in the top eight this week? Uh, I want to scoop in all the staff at gaming, etc., for putting on a flawless tournament and also all the people who uh, donated to the charity event. It was a good yeah. time. Yeah, totally. Uh, how about you, Tony? Who do you want to scoop in the top eight this week? Who do I want to scoop in? Jeez, I should have thought of this. Um, I want to scoop in Nick Pin and Ben Mack, the Two buddies that I went down to the uh, the pit with because it was just a, a really good time and um, you know it's just one of the like I I knew him from playing a little bit but it, you know I didn't really like know him well and then by the end of two eleven hour drives and like a tournament together it's like all of a sudden you're you're like super tight so mm-hmm. I just want to scoop them in nice. Uh, I am going to scoop in, uh, ooh, ooh. uh, I'll scoop in Michelle for, uh, for doing the, uh, the hot wings challenge with us and going all the way. Yeah. She went to the all final the way to week. number 10. Yeah. Did, <laughs> did them all. We did them. We did all 10 in a row, like in between, uh, Swiss and top eight. I was not a fan that, of that, not a fan of that way of approaching it, but we did it. It, it was fine in the moment back. Cause I don't think we allowed time for it to like fully hit us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mouth like, is so, like, re- my mouth is still wrecked. It's still recovering. Oh yeah. It's in my, a lot of pain. Uh, my, like it was funny. Like, I, I feel like you should do this for science class because I could track its movement through my digestive track. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like a couple degrees warmer as I felt it moving its way through. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Tony, if people want to f- uh, follow you on like, uh, I don't know, your social media or if you're streaming, where can they do that? Uh, so on Twitter, basically everywhere, it's Tony Scaponi. It is one word, uh, T-O-N-Y-S-C-A-P-O-N-E. Uh, but yeah, I stream on Twitch uh, definitely every Friday morning around 10 a.m. Eastern. And I make and uh, edit plenty of youtube content as well so if you want to see stuff uh you know and you haven't really seen any content for the deck 
Uh, just go on YouTube and search Tony Scapone. Yep. Awesome. Or if you want to buy a car, go look up Tony Scapone. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not my, so let me, let me clear this real quick. Cause I, most people know, but I think at this point, most people know me as Tony Scapone rather than it is not my, my actual name. <laughs> and the <laughs> it is, I think I said this on the last cast, like how it, it's just, it was like a nickname that, uh, friend of my brother's gave me when i was like five or six or whatever and then it was always my gaming alias like it just yeah. stuck as you know um but with with the way that like you put in your name for these events and stuff and my like my i i want to make sure the results show up on the same like what was it i think the first the first pit event i put my real name tony del pret right that's my real last name del pret my first name is tony well it's anthony but whatever and then you can like put your your moto name is tony scaponi or what and i thought and the results came up as tony del pret so it's not even so now i have like two separate i'd rather just have all my results on the same maybe ocd about oh. it but or so now or, i just put tony scaponi and just like as if it's my fucking name <laughs> or you could be like rude who uses a pseudonym so people can't look him up, uh, you know, scouting before the match. <laughs> see that, <laughs> see that, that I don't care that uh, I'm like, I, I don't like, I, I stream the challenge live. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like you could look at my, at my hand. I, I kind of have the, the attitude of like, I don't care if you know, I'm just going to do it and smash you in the face anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, Jerry, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? No, I think that's it. I think we're good to go. All right. Well, congrats again, Tony, on uh, taking down the last LL Open. It was a nice win. A very clean top eight for you. And uh, I think a memorable finals match, man. It was fun to watch. Hey, thanks. Awesome. All right. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, we have Dakota on coming on for our art, art episode, I believe. And then after that's our uh, our episode with uh, Tom and Ian from the Dead Format. So that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And then uh, with also the community cast, uh, I also received where Gavin Verhey is going to be joining us. And then we're going to be posting up the link for uh, you know people who want to come by and say hi. Sweet. Sounds good yeah but uh right. gonna be a good old time awesome all right well thanks again tony for coming to hang on man we appreciate it thanks for having me all right and we'll catch y'all next week bye